You're listening to the iterators of the Imperium. Hi, I'm Miss, and I'm here with my co-host Ryan. And you're listening to Season 3 of the Iterators of the Imperium podcast, the podcast in which Ryan, the expert on Warhammer 40k, and I am the noob trying to learn about the Warhammer universe. And as you guys can see, for Season 3, we have visuals on our podcast now. So yes, <laughs> our glorious virtual studio, which you can actually see on both YouTube and on Spotify. So depending on where you listen, go take a look. But yeah, uh, let's get into it. So Ryan, what are we talking about today? All right. Mez, you know the story this time. You know how this goes. We've done this before. All right. Yes, I am a, I am a baby. <laughs> All right. You know what? You want to try and take us through it this time if you know it so well. I know it so well. So essentially, yeah, I'm a baby inside of a little pod that's been like going around in the warp, who's crashed into a random planet that Ryan will talk about later. I don't know which one it is. And apparently I'm going to go through a lot of struggles, but I am a super baby. So I don't really have any problems getting through life, even from the early stage. But I don't know, Ryan, am I onto the right trail? <laughs> Let's go. Sorry, I kind of lost it when you got the super baby. <laughs> but I am, though. I am kind of a super baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, By the way, you know, if this podcast ever takes off and we go to like any events, don't call me a super baby. I swear super to God, baby. <laughs> I'm not gonna have that. <laughs> I got, I, uh, I got I stickers made up of our logo, right? Yeah. Just because I wanted them, and now I'm gonna have to get new ones made up. It's just a picture <laughs> of you with super baby. Let's go. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna get that on a <laughs> shirt. We shouldn't make that into a thing. I, I regret I'm making decisions. it a thing. Let's all make it a thing. I, I regret my actions quickly now. That's... All right, you take over, Ryan. <laughs> See, uh, this is why you should just let me do my thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, you did this to yourself, man. I know. Uh, I really love when these go off the rails right at the start. Yeah, by the way, for the listeners right now, that was not meant to happen. <laughs> like, I was ready uh, for a story, but... I don't think I th anything that's happened on this podcast was ever meant to happen, I'll be honest. Uh, it's, 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 it's good. It's cool. It's good. Make it work. It's Gucci. It's Gucci. It's good. All it's right. Good. So, the planet yes. that you fell upon today was Medusa. This planet right here. Oh, nicey. Oh, yeah. The fancy one, got a ring around it and everything. So it looks like Saturn, just like instead of red, just like it's like the moon, a moonish Saturn. Yeah, that's fair. Jordan. Actually, it does kind of look like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're not wrong. It, it does. It does look like that. Yeah. So today, you hurtled through space and time and the warp and all that nonsense and pummeled into the planet of Medusa. Yes. This is a harsh world. Like a really harsh world, right? It's a bit like uh, it's a bit like Fenris in that it's very geologically unstable, right? Yeah. So there's constant earthquakes, there's constant volcano eruptions, and lava rivers all over the place, something like that. And the landmass yeah. is constantly shifting, change. So it's very hard to like you know live there. Yeah, essentially the winters would like be the ice age, and the summers would be like hell. 
well, stuff like see, that as well. Seasonally, this one isn't at, isn't the same as Fenris. So Fenris, the seasons are like that, right? But yeah. Medusa doesn't have the same kind of thing. It's all it seems to always be equally crappy in the same way. <laughs> It's okay. always just kind of a hellhole, but of the same Baron esque type. I mean, it's shit, but at least you know what you get, right? It's not like cold <laughs> and shit. At least Fenris is cold <laughs> and shit. At least here it's just shit, right? <laughs> All right, that's basically the main difference. So, for the record, this world is not technically a death world. But, like, everyone that's ever been there is like, this is absolutely a death world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, this is actually a very storied world, right? It's, it was long cut off from the Imperium of Man through the Age of Strife since the Dark Age technology, right? Yeah. It's, like, never been touched since then by humanity. So, there are humans that live there, but they've kind of forgotten about Terra because it's been thousands of years since they, like, saw their home world <laughs> or even oh. heard of it, right? Yeah. It's honestly, it's a really common story that a lot of people on these, like, far-off worlds that were still to be found by the Great Crusade had, like, because they were, like, you know, hundreds of generations of humans through, they had actually, like, thought that Earth was just, like, a myth, that it never yes, actually it's... existed. I was actually just about to mention that, like, we have talked about something like this before, where it's throughout generations and generations become more of a mythical story, like, oh, somewhere out there, there is, you know, what yeah. what, what is... Uh, Our original home world and all this stuff. Uh, yes. It, it's, it's very much that kind of situation. So these people, like, they've, they've long forgotten about all that nonsense. Um, yeah. They've been, like, long abandoned by humanity, basically. But, obviously, it's now the end, the end of the Age of Strife, so they'll be found at some point, you know? Yeah. But, this is a culture that still exists since the Dark Age technology and have not been touched since. So, they still have some Dark Age technology. Obviously, it barely works because it's thousands of years old, but it's still there, and it's, like, the only thing that lets them survive on this crappy world. <laughs> But the story of this planet actually goes back further than humanity. Oh. Because this is a world that to this day is still marked by the war in heaven. The Necron and the old ones battled, and this planet was part of it. Okay, yes. Right? So there is relics of ancient like Necron and old one stuff buried on this planet as well. Mm. Obviously, oh. it, it, half of the planet, you, like, if you look at the top of it there, half of that planet is ice. So, yeah, it's, like, the northern sections are all just icy. Um, <laughs> so it's, like, buried under mountains of ice and lava and stuff, but, like, it's there. It's there. Yeah, this planet, this planet's been involved in some stuff. It's been around, you know? Yeah. But, today, we're talking about your incubation pod landing on this planet. Right? Yes. So, when your pod fell from the atmosphere and, you know, burned its way through the skies, it pummeled yes. into the highest ice peak of the planet, right? Of uh, course. The peak is called Karashi, which I found really funny because it just sounds like crashy and you crashed into it. But Karashi. Great. I found yeah. it funny. 
right. So when you hit it, the peak shattered, right? Or the highest peaks of it shattered. You didn't hit, like, the very, very tip of the entire thing. You hit the peak, but not, like, the literal tip of it, right? And when you did, the top section of it shattered. The whole planet shook, and some, or to such a degree that some mountains on the planet just collapsed. Okay. But you got to remember, you did just get yeeted across the galaxy and pummel into a very high mountain. It's going to have an effect on the planet, you know? Yeah. I'm just saying uh, these pots, by the way, are very durable. I'm. You're goddamn right they are. Uh, it sounds like, I'm not going to lie, it sounds a bit like Superman and oh, a, a Dragon Ball as well, you know? Kind of is, <laughs> yeah. Pots. It sounds, you know, it's just the story, it's the story of pots that crashes on, on Earth. It's... It's repeated itself many a times. In different My universes. issue with that is that the in Dragon Ball it was a space pod. In yes. Superman, it's a space pod. These things are supposed to survive being launched through space. Yours is like a piece of medical equipment. You know, oh, wait, mine? I shouldn't survive. Yeah, it's an incubation chamber. It's not supposed to be yeeted through space. Oh yeah, actually, when I think about that, no, the that's... fact that any of you didn't just like suffocate in the void of space is a miracle. Nah, but we're space. No, sorry, we are we are Primarchs. We you are... can't breathe in space though. You still no, need but oxygen. The thing is, we just hold our breaths for very long <laughs> <laughs> as babies. <laughs> we just we just sick like that, right? That's it. Do you know? <laughs> okay so pod hits the planet destroys mountains shatters the very peak of this ice mountain and it because it was obviously glowing hot from burying through the atmosphere it basically buries you half inside the mountain as well hey. it's, a, it's an ice mountain you just hit it, god knows what thermal velocity at least uh, <laughs> so yeah there's, there's that um now your story is not one that is written in stone. Yours is one that, much like the story of the Wolf King, is passed down through the stories that the people tell. Right? No one's ever really been able to or bothered to sit down and write down your story. So okay. the stories that have lived on are the ones that the people tell about you. Right? So yeah. shortly after this ridiculous cataclysm occurred, we're up meteor fell from the sky and blew up one of their mountains and destroyed a bunch of others and shook the whole planet. All of a sudden, right, the northern wastes, which is the northern area that, you know, you crashed into, where the people say, or the folk, you know, that live there, say that uh, all the uh, malign spirits and evil creatures and everything live, right, all these creatures just started disappearing bit by bit. <laughs> People started saying that they saw some random like young guy running around murdering stuff that should <laughs> never have been murderable, right? So all these tales started to be told about this basically heroic demigod running around the like the ice la like or ice lands of this planet, just taking out all the stuff that should never have been killable. But yep. there is. There is a couple of stories about you from your uh, young early years that have survived in clear detail. They don't, you know, they don't change from telling to telling really. Uh, whereas the rest will. The stories of how you kill certain creatures will change depending on how dramatic the teller is feeling at that time. But there is a yeah. couple of stories that don't change no matter what, right, and have since become documented. 
Um, so possibly the most important one is uh, as a youth, you were inspecting your incubation pot, right? Because, you know, you hung, you, you live near or you stayed near it to some degree at least. So you go back to it, you're inspecting it because you're curious. First thing you realise, it's not a natural occurring thing. Some, something built this, obviously, right? This yeah. was forged in some way or another. So that that's, makes you begin to question things about yourself because you know you came out of this. Mm-hmm. Then you notice the large uh, marking on it, the rune of an X. Right, you don't know what it is, but you're like, that's a weird one too. Right mm-hmm. now, in your kind of searching of the area, because it's in a chamber within this like ice mountain that it buried into. Right, so it wasn't like you got trapped inside where it buried. It buried through part of the mountain into like an open chamber within the mountain. So within this chamber, as you're kind of searching, you also find a a, a lot more very weird markings, these runes all over the place. And you find what appear to be very strange stalactites that seem to have some kind of weird energy passing through them. Mm-hmm. And within your investigation, you made a mistake. You disturbed mm-hmm. something. Something that was better left undisturbed. Okay. Do you know what a worm is? A what? Worm. Just a normal worm, like a... No, uh, not W-O-R-M, which is the, you know, little crawly bastards, the slithery bastards. Uh, W-Y-R-M, or worm, I guess. I don't know, they're pronounced the same, but still. Any idea? No, no, I'm not too sure. It's essentially a type of dragon. (laughs) What? Of, but of course, how did but, I not know? <laughs> yeah, no, there, there's like 50 names for very slightly different types of dragon, right? So like uh. a dragon has four legs and two wings, then like a wyvern has two legs, two wings, a drake has four legs, no wings. So you know what I mean, right? The stupid names, yeah. but basically they're all dragons. They just look a bit different. A worm all is right. like a type of dragon, as far as we're concerned. Okay? All right. right. So, yeah. You disturbed a giant metal dragon, basically, <laughs> that had a been lying dragon. dormant in this mountain for God knows how long. Wait, a metal dragon? Yeah. Is uh, this because of... I th- yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to let you continue, but... I think you've clogged it, because I've told you this part or this story before. You told uh, me something... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, this creature, having just been awoken, was like the fuck are you, and started attacking you. Now, you obviously fought back, because you're a powerful young man, you know? Yeah. You beat the crap out of this thing, and it didn't seem to feel any pain. Yeah, breaking out the guns, thrashing a dragon around the ice cave. It didn't seem to feel any pain. So you thought, you know what? I'll just stab the crap out of it. So you just find anything you can. Random shards of metal from your incubation pod, stalactites, rocks, slate, ice, anything. You just stab it with whatever you can get to hand. Nothing pierces its metal flesh. Now, obviously you're getting frustrated by this and just getting angrier. The creature seems to get bored of fighting you in your attempts to injure it that are failing massively. So it just fucks off. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. But as, you got to remember, though, it's a giant metal dragon. So as it does so, as it decides to piss off across the mountainside, it's wrecking everything, causing avalanches and stuff. Damn. So you swear that you will kill this thing because you woke it up. You are not having any of this. It's going to die. So right. you followed it out of the ice caves and up onto like the mountain peaks and through the passes and stuff. Along the way, you did see uh, the human tribesmen that lived on this planet, and they saw you, but you didn't go and interact with them or anything. You had a job to do. You were dragon hunting, man. This is, this is you know, problem one, dragon hunting. <laughs> problem two, those guys, right? One hang at a time. <laughs> Priorities. So, yeah. So as you chase this giant silver dragon, by the way, his name is uh, Azernoth just in case you ever were curious. Uh, so as you're chasing this thing, you're like, right, what do I do? How do I kill this thing, right? It needs to die. It's not. It doesn't seem to feel pain if I just beat the crap out of it. Is the brute force isn't going to work, right? Can't stab it and bleed it dry like would work with anything else that's a lot bigger than you and you can't just beat to death, which probably isn't a lot of things if you're a Primark, I guess. So you think, all right, all right, I've got how to defeat this. Right. Now, as they say, if you need to break a wall, use a hammer, not a sword. So if you need to kill something metal, you know... You need a hammer. Well, <laughs> okay, I just meant an appropriate weapon, but yeah, fair. <laughs> a hammer might work. Uh, so, you began to enact your plan. Oh yeah, there is a hammer over there. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, actually, that one might come up in this episode. Hold on. We'll come back to that. Oh, foreshadowing, Ryan. <laughs> Potentially. I don't, I'll, I'll come back. I need to look into that, actually. That might be a thing. Uh, so, you decided you, you, you had a plan. You were going to enact it. So, you get the beast's attention, and you begin to go it. You, you're taunting it. You know, you're winding it up, right? Slapping it around a little bit, and then dodging and running back and, you know, traipsing it around the place. So, it's just getting angrier and chasing you until you lead it, into one of the volcanically active areas of the planet, of the mountains. Right? Yeah, okay. And it was once you had it in the right position, you fell upon it, dragging it with your bare hands into a river of lava and drowned it. <laughs> and as it drowned, it melted in the lava and coated your hands in its metal flesh. So, you now had hands coated, or hands and forearms coated in necrodermis, the flesh that makes up necrons. Because yeah. this was an ancient necron creature. You've just killed like a 60 million year old creature, by the way. Yeah, it's a good yeah. feat. A big feat for me. Yeah. It's definitely the oldest thing a Primarch's ever killed. Well, unless demons count, I guess. But they might not be older. No, actually, demons would be younger because the four chaos gods weren't around until after the war in heaven. Yeah, that's yeah. the oldest thing any Primarch's ever killed. One nil to you. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. Right. So the beast was defeated, and you gained many names in the process of doing this. The storm giants that lived in uh, the Karashi Peaks called you the Cataclysm. You know, because of the giant monster you unleashed upon them. <laughs> Accidentally, you still did it. Uh, now, they also called you the Hunter, 
because obviously you hunted and killed uh, said cataclysm. Yeah. Uh, some of the tribespeople called you the finality. Some just called you son of man. Uh, some of them called you flesh, which is a weird nickname, I guess. Because of uh, the flesh that I got? Metal I don't flesh? even know. I can't even find a justification for that nickname, I'll be honest. But people did call you flesh, which is weird. But it wasn't until some time later that you would walk from the mountains, fully grown, to meet the tribespeople of Medusa and be given your true name, Ferris Manus. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. I don't know why I actually had this had a feeling that we we're going to be talking about him today. Why? Hmm. I was thinking of two. I was thinking of Angron. I actually think I said this before the recording. You I was did, actually yeah. thinking of, of Ferris Manus. I don't know why he popped up in my head as one of the possibilities, but Ferris is a cool guy, cool. man. Honestly, he's, he's one of the he's one of the cool ones that just does not get enough love. No, but... it's just because well, we don't have a lot of his. Uh, his background from his youth. Well, that, that's it. Yeah, his uh, his his bloodline isn't fleshed out a huge amount either. Like because obviously he dies really early on, and then after the whole heresy thing, you've got the Codex Astartes comes in, and then it all splits up into all the chapters. There aren't like as many spoken about or written about chapters from the Iron Hands as there are from, say, the Ultramarines, because they're like the classics, you know? There's billions yeah. of Ultramarines successor chapters and loads of them are fleshed out. Blood Angels, dear God, there are a lot of Blood Angels chapters that have books about them and stuff like that. Uh, even Sons of Dorn have loads of, uh, loads of stuff about them. But the Iron Hands have, as far as I can see or as far as I'm aware, seem to have a smaller uh, set of characters that they actually tell stories about. Um, but to be fair, I think there's only like a handful of like commonly known uh, Iron Hand successor chapters as well. Whereas yeah. I think most people could name like a fair amount of Blood Angels ones off the top of their head. Stuff like that. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Back to the story at hand. So, now you remember that this is a really harsh, shitty world. Yes. Right? So the people of this world require the remnant technology from the Dark Age that they do have to survive, right? And there is an ancient order on this planet of people called the Iron Fathers who maintain that technology. They're like their tech priests, but they didn't yeah. have tech priests because they weren't involved with Mars yet. So they were their equivalent, basically. But these guys also were like mythics, like sages as well. So they kind of had like a dual role of being like spiritual and technological, you know, uh, advisors and stuff, I guess. They handled both of those aspects for the people. Um, but when you turned up, because obviously you came out of the caves and said you're meeting the people now, uh now, you basically had one rule, right? These people all, like, worshipped you as, like, a demigod at this point because you just murdered a dragon and you've been murdering all the things they've been terrified of for millennia uh, with very little issue. And you seem to have the ability to craft weapons and armour beyond anything they've ever seen before. Because you, you like crafting stuff. You're a bit of a weaponsmith, I'm going to be honest. So it's it's yeah. like your hobby. It's your thing, right? Yeah, Perfection like in, in all things. Yes, in real life. 
just not a, a weaponsmith, but I actually like crafting as well. I am Ferris Menace, by the way, just for yes. the ones who are listening. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Continue. Um, so, yeah, the people all thought of you as like a, some Raj demigod and basically worshipped you before they even met you. And then once they did, you were like, all right, one rule. I don't care about like the tribes fighting each other. I don't care what goes on in your day-to-day lives. But when I tell you to do something, you fucking do it. And then we'll all be happy. And they basically all just went, okay. Because they either worshipped you or were terrified of you. So they just got on on the same page as you real fucking quick. Yeah. But... As they should. Yeah. From time to time, things would come up that the people could not handle, right? So like a war going on that they couldn't end. Or, you know, some giant creature that was being a dickhead that they couldn't get rid of. So that, And they would literally require your help. So what they would do is, they, the people would go to the Iron Fathers and tell them. And then the Iron Fathers would come to you and basically bargain with you, right? So you mm-hmm. would usually involve yourself on like a one-time basis to sort out a problem that their people have came to them with in exchange for the, them teaching you about the Dark Age technology so that you could learn basically ancient engineering that no one else will ever know. Smart yes. move. Just yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's a thing, right? You had this ideology that was like the strong should survive because they're strong, and the weak should not, because they're weak. So you actually, you were like, I'm not going to go around saving all of you idiots and helping you, because then we'll just have a bunch of weaklings surviving. Like, toughen up, deal with it yourself. This place sucks. If you suck too, you're not going to survive long. Get good, kid. That's basically, that was your mentality. Sounds like I've been taking a leap out of Darwin's book, not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, very survival at the first. Yeah. <laughs> so, you were technically leading the people, right? You just weren't involving yourself in the day-to-day. You were still giving them orders and stuff to better them. So you still, like, taught the people to craft better weaponry, how to fight better. You led them in battles, but not, like, against other tribes for land or that nonsense. It was like, I want to go explore a cave. Six strongest guys here. Come on, you'll entertain me. Let's go. <laughs> right? It was that kind of thing, right? I need someone to shout before I get stabbed in the ass. You, come with me. <laughs> right? Very much just because you could. You took them with you. Um, so under your leadership, obviously, the people did start to thrive because they had, you know, better stuff for hunting and survival and things like that. They were learning to be better fighters just by being with you, following you on these crusades and or these little adventures you would go on. They were learning from you, so they were improving as a whole people, as a culture. Because yeah. you were doing better than them on your own, so, you know, <laughs> up to my level, kids. <laughs> good, good. Exactly. Uh, so sometimes when you, like, had these people join you on what you were doing, uh, you were, you know, hunting through these ancient lost ice caves that had, like, you know, long-buried salvage ships that had came to get, like, resources from the planet back during the Dark Age in technology. So, because it's a very mineral-rich planet with loads of, you know, really high-quality metals and stuff. So, mm-hmm. people would have been coming here. Sometimes their ships just got destroyed, and then they got buried into the planet over time. So, you would find these ancient ships that were built, or that were, you know, crashed there and stuff. You would find catacombs with these robotic creatures with skin peeling off of them and things like that. 
Yeah. So you were like finding like ancient Necron troops and stuff buried in the ice and then just murdering them with a bunch of humans. <laughs> stuff like Lovely. that. Yeah, it was, it was a fun time to be alive. A nice little Sunday evening, eh? Yeah, exactly. Nice, nice little outing. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole point of all of this, it was very important to you that the people, you know, were strong enough to survive. Because right? yeah. you were. They have to be too. That's the rules. You know, pass on your trauma. That's, that's how it works. For the record, I believe for a fact every space marine has generational trauma from their Primarch, regardless of who they are. Just so you know. Oh, probably. Probably. 100%. Well, by the way, by the yes. way can, I, can I just say, in terms of survival of the fittest, I feel like it's not just that. I feel like it's more the philosophy of you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. You teach him how to fish, and you feed him for life. That is that exactly it, I believe. I, I think, think that, that might is, just be the that case. Was, yeah, I don't actually think it was survival of the fittest. I believe it was more towards that. It's it's like helping them to help themselves kind of hang. Yeah. You know? And I'm also glad I could say it because now it sounds smart. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that because I didn't actually think of that. But that is more in line with the reality of it. So yeah, I appreciate not it. that smart. It's his people, you know, so... Yeah. Um... yeah. I mean, you know, you know. <laughs> so... As time went on, the tribes prospered under your rule, I guess. Benevolent dictatorship. I don't know what the term would be. Oh, maybe. Let's not do that. Uh, and one day, something that you were prepared for finally happened. Right? What? So, if you remember long ago, you were investigating the pod that you got out of when you were a baby. And yes. it occurred to you it was not natural. It was man-made. And there's a large marking on it, a rune, which obviously is X, which we know is 10, but he didn't. But it led you to start thinking you had been created rather than born. And you start to think, well, why would I be created? All I'm good at is making weapons and murdering stuff and proving I'm stronger than everyone. And that's exactly the reason why somebody would. would that's do the that conclusion that the you case. came to. You are yes. a man-made, you know, super soldier designed for exactly yeah. what. Yeah, you are a war machine, yeah. and it's occurred to you at some point, someone, whoever made you, is gonna want you back. That's kind and, of true, but yeah, you know, continue. Yeah. So on this day, that is what finally happened. The Emperor finally arrived on Medusa and declared himself the rightful Emperor of Mankind and your father and demanded your allegiance. Yes. You decided you were not going to just take that at face value regardless if he just flew down on a spaceship because fuck him. Because how could All you? Right. See, so you basically were like, alright, fight me then, dickhead. <laughs> Prove you're stronger <laughs> than me or I'm taking your title. It's always... Like, completely like, all right, you know, that makes sense. I will follow you. Or it's like, nah, I will fight you. I will fight <laughs> Have at me, wench. Oh, man. It's never middle ground. It's always, you know. Yeah, the, like, no middle. Actually, no. Uh, is there a middle ground? Are we going to get to it? A middle ground at some point. Oh, Angron's is... Uh, this is the middle... Just fighting him is the middle ground. Angron's is the other end of the scale. Oh. 
Actually, all right. So the way it works out is Magnus is one end of the scale, right? And then yes. Angron is the far to the other side. And then everyone else is somewhere in the middle between just being like, ah, okay. Or like, yay! Or like, fight me to prove it. But uh, like, uh. Angron wants to eat his dad and hates him. And Magnus is like, sup, dad, how's it going? <laughs> you know, I haven't seen you since last week. God. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, those two are the extremes. There's yeah, and everyone else is somewhere in the middle. Actually, <laughs> you'll see when we get to them. Yeah. So yeah, you just challenged him in a fight. It was quite a quite a casual thing. You're like, all right, fight me, prove it. <laughs> casual. Yeah, all right, well, <laughs> that's what you do. You fight stuff. They're like super beings fighting against each other, demigods. Like it's you know, just casual. It's yeah. fine. Like the, it splits the sky when they when they hit each other. It just it's, <laughs> it's fine. It's normal. <laughs> yeah. So naturally, he agreed because he's done this like four times by this point. Because so far, I believe you're the fourth one he found. So he's found Horace, uh, Lehman Russ, and Fulgrim so far. <laughs> so yeah, he's done this before. You're not the first one he's had to fight. <laughs> he knows the drill at this point. Exactly. Yeah, he's done this. I mean, so also, you, okay. he, his foresight might come into, you know, uh, fruition as well. Like, he, he knows what's about to happen anyways. He's exactly, almost yeah. one million steps ahead, so, yeah. Uh, it just comes down in, like, normal boxing gear instead of his armor. And those troops are like, what are you doing? And he's like, don't worry, I got this. So like, we <laughs> all know, know where this drill. is going. <laughs> Yo, Bezos, man. Oh, it's already DM from, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, so he agrees to fight. And you obviously start kicking the living crap out of each other. Apparently, yeah. in the battle that followed, mountains were flattened, and the people of Medusa were left with no doubt that you were a demigod and he was a god. <laughs> but in the end, obviously, your father kicked your ass because he's the emperor, Frisbee. Uh, <laughs> and you bent the knee and accepted your father and him as the emperor. You know, as always happens. Now, shortly after, you were introduced to your sons, the 10th Legion of the Adeptus Astartes, the Iron 10th, which, by the way, is a really cool name. But they would come to be known by a new name to follow yours, which was the Iron Hands. For the record, Ferris Manus is Latin for Iron Hands. Oh. Which I hate. Why? I hate that. Because Why? they use a lot of Latin in in 40k, and in it, it there is High Gothic and Low Gothic are the two languages that Imperium speaks, right? High Gothic words are always Latin, right? So like Adeptus Astartes is the High Gothic for Space Marine. Right? Yeah. Uh, Adeptus Custodes is the High Latin for sorry High Gothic for the Custodes, which are the Emperor's Guard, right? Because mm. Custodes literally translates to guard in English, right? Stuff like that. So Ferris Manus translates to Iron Hands, and that that means that his name they all know would be the High Gothic version of the exact same title they gave to his legion in Logothic. So it just it seems stupid to me that they have the exact same name 
You know, because like yeah. everyone typically is aware of both languages to some degree. Yeah. So it's dumb. Yeah, it it just seems weird to me. But whatever. Moving on rapidly. Uh, <laughs> rapidly. <laughs> rapidly. <laughs> so, uh, so you immediately, you know, upon gaining your legion, took them to Medusa, and were like, right, new home world. Everyone get on board with that right now. And then you began incorporating the two, your home world and your legion, into one, yeah. right? Almost immediately, this all started to occur. So you had the tribes people on the planet with space marines walking around among them like it was a perfectly normal thing to happen, right? And you just forced them all to be okay with it. Like, everyone deal with it. You're all friends now, okay? And then, obviously, some of the planet was kind of updated and stuff to be part of the Imperium. You know, spaceports were built and stuff like that, so you could land ships and things, right? That yep. kind of stuff. But you made it very clear that the the incorporation of the Imperium into Medusa was not to make life easier for the people of Medusa. It had to stay terrible and harsh, because that right. way the people would stay strong. Because right? yes. you, you only wanted to take new new aspirants for the Legion from that planet because they would be tough. You knew they would be. Mm -hmm. So that was the game plan anyway. Thing is, Medusa has a really small population, so you needed a way to like keep the numbers up. So every planet that the Iron Hands claimed by force for the Crusade, they took a tithe of children, young, strong males, and sent them to Medusa to live for a while so that they could then try and do the Aspirant Trials to become Iron Hands. So I don't know everyone... about you, Ryan. That's... It sounds a bit like child abuse, that one there. I'm not going to lie. A little That's... bit, yeah, but it's 40k, so basically everything is everything abuse. So. I mean, child abuse in, in 40k is quite soft, if I'm not... If I'm not they, they right, that's, that's a very low one, rung of evil. Yes, it's a low form of evil when we speak about 40k. <laughs> Just to be clear here, Warhammer is... Yeah. <laughs> You're taking it out of context. That could sound very, like, very bad. <laughs> but all right, you continue right now. I'm just going to shut up now. It's... Okay. Woo! So uh, while not leading your legion into bloody wars, you typically spent most of your time creating wondrous weapons in your forges and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. along the kind of, along the way of the initial kind of you know start of being part of this, you met your other brothers. So it yeah. would go on that you would meet all of them obviously along the way. But for example, uh, it's no secret that you and Lorgar had a little or had little time for each other. Uh, yeah. There, there is a point where Lorgar, right? I, I, I need to understand. Lorgar is the religious one, right? This guy like speaks to entire crowds of humans and convinces them all the emperor is a god, right? So he's good at talking, but when he was just with his brothers, he was the most awkward little bastard on the planet, right? He just could not do it normally. He could not speak normally. He always said stupid stuff, right? And him and him and Ferris didn't really like each other, and he wanted to fix that. So he goes to Ferris while he's uh, while he's forging a weapon, and he just wants to start a conversation with him. So he's like, "Oh, Ferris, I wonder if you could ever make something so wondrous that could build rather than destroy." And 
he like does like a little smile to try and like make it seem less like venomous, I guess. Uh, hmm. And Ferris turns back to him. He's like, "I wonder if you could build anything worthwhile at all." Like, oh. It's a bit grim. <laughs> just totally writes him off right there. He just hated him. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, Good times. Yeah. Uh, you and Vulcan were very similar in a lot of ways uh, and greatly respected each other. You were good friends. Uh, Gilliman loved and respected you, although you didn't seem to like or like him very much. <laughs> Not really sure what was going on with that. He smells. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, right, so, so Gilliman's big thing is that he seems to rank his brothers rather than on, like, the one he likes the most, on the most reliable ones. And, yeah. like, Sanguinius. He loves Sanguinius, because if you ask Sanguinius yeah. to get a job done, he got the fucking job done. Yeah. Stuff like that. And you were kind of the same. Your guy, your soldiers are utterly relentless because they're, you know, built off of hard times. They, they see everything as a challenge to try and get tougher, like you did. You know, yeah. so it doesn't matter how hard the fight is. They're like, fuck yeah, new challenge. Let's do this. Run out of head first. <laughs> and we will get it done. That's exactly. That's the thing. So that's why Gilliman liked you so much. But for you, it was more of a personal thing that you didn't really like him very much. You're like, mm -hmm. yeah, I know he can get the job done. But that doesn't mean I like him. But Gilliman's like, oh yeah, I can trust him. He's reliable. Good guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> different criteria for friendship. <laughs> But the most important story of all of these about you and your brothers is the tale of the phoenix and the gorgon. So, shortly after you were taken from Medusa initially, you were taken to Terra, right? And you were in the great forges of Mount Narodnia in the Urals. Do you know where Mount Narodnia is? No. It's in Russia, right? Giant-ass mountain in Russia, right? Uh, we hauled out and built a giant forge under it. <laughs> so you're in there forging away. You're teaching the artisans that work there, the blacksmiths and forge masters that work there, you know, teaching them new shit or showing them new shit that you can do. Because your hands can yeah. do all crazy shit to metal. Uh, I'm a craftsman. That's yeah. it. Else you have magic metal hands, so, you know. It yeah. does help. They call me, D they call me D uh, DIY Ferris. That's, that's it. That's what they call me. DIY Ferris. <laughs> yeah. That was that was questionable at best, man. <laughs> nah, come on. I, I liked it. I liked it, but <laughs> I, I've just got an image of I'm putting up a white picket fence for some reason. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, the missus wanted it after that. <laughs> What I don't do to get out of the house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just takes up gardening. I can't paint these fucking walls anymore. <laughs> I don't care if it's eggshell or magnolia. <laughs> <clears throat> so, you're in the Urals, you're in the Forge, you're teaching the dude some stuff, right? Yeah. When in walks one of your brothers that you have never met yet, right? This was Fulgrim. And he was flanked by his Phoenix guard, because he is referred to as the Phoenician, or the Phoenix. Hmm. Right? Uh, that is his title, his, uh, his nickname. 
So he walks in with his honor guard, and you start talking a little bit because he's like, what are you doing down here and all that stuff? And he explains that he has come to make the most perfect weapon ever conceived of for him to carry into the Great Crusade. So naturally, you start ripping the shit out of him because his pasty-ass little ponzi hands could never craft a weapon even close to that which your metal hands could craft. Yes. So he's like, all right, all right, prove it. (laughs) Let's have a crafting competition. We'll each forge a weapon. Whoever's weapon is more perfect wins. And is this, I might, uh, it starts to ring a bell, Ryan. We might just swap weapons at some point, don't we? Oh, that's exactly what happens. Uh, So, (laughs) after agreeing to the challenge, you both strip to the waist in a weirdly homoerotic show of of affection, uh, and then begin forging for like a week straight. (laughs) And at the end of it, you have built a flaming sword called Fireblade, and he has built a gigantic warhammer. And when you look upon the warhammer, you know it is the more perfect weapon. Mm-hmm. So you announce that he is the winner because you can see it right before you. His weapon is better by far. But as soon as you speak to say that his is better, he does the same. He's claiming that you've won. Okay. So All while right. this is amusing... You both accept that, well, the dis- you can't decide because you both feel differently about it. So what you do is you trade the weapons so that each of you can carry the weapon they see as perfect in a battle for the rest of the Great Crusade. Yes. Hey, I um, started, yo, I'm, I'm starting to remember. Oh, yeah, you're getting it. Let's get it. Wait, by so, the way, I'm just... Yeah? It's not... It's not my hammer up there, right? So I don't know if that is if that is Fulgrim's hammer or if that is Vulcan's hammer. I believe it's Vulcan's, but I would need to check for sure. Hmm. Because they're similar the people, styles. Yeah, just for the people listening right now, I just pointed to a in our virtual studio. We actually do have one of the hammers here. It is yet yeah. to be identified because obviously me, Ferris, right? I have memory loss. I've been yeah. hit way too many times in the head, so that's why I can't say it right off the bat. We will have to <laughs> look into yeah. it. <laughs> I guess I would say it's probably Vulcans because that's yeah. a more iconic one, but I don't know for sure. Uh, also, for the record, if you'll see here, this is uh, this is the young Ferris Manus crafting his weapons. It's quite nice. It's quite cool. DIY yeah. Ferris at work. That's yeah, cool. <laughs> nice fancy metal hat. He just looks like a blacksmith. He just looks like a blacksmith. Yeah, yeah, That's does. all he looks like. <laughs> blacksmith with a crew cut. Just what you need. So, in the process of crafting these weapons and sharing them with each other, you also forged a deep friendship built on respect and admiration of your differences. Because you are both perfectionists, right? But he is a perfectionist in a very uh, classical, beautific sense. Whereas you are a perfectionist in a much more crude sense, if you get what I mean. So his is like fine art and stuff like that. Yours is like practical perfection. You know? Yeah. He wants it to be beautiful. You want it to be efficient. Yeah, Apple versus Android, essentially, right? Essentially, yes. Uh, But... Within that major difference, there is a similarity, and that's what you found through this process. 
and yeah. you bonded over it and became the best of friends. Nice. Now, this is the point I would usually do the, you know, going to the aftermath, because this is when you get to the Great Crusade. Thing is, you don't make it that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna skip a bit towards the heresy and go from there. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Everyone on the same page? Cool. Yep. If you're not, you'll get what's going on pretty soon. So, as the heresy began and Horus had made his first move to form allies against the Emperor, he had Fulgrim on side already. Fulgrim was the first one to kind of fall with him, I guess. Uh, and he ordered Fulgrim to meet with you and sway you to join Chaos, to join them against the Emperor. So, Fulgrim meets you in your private sanctum on your flagship. Right? It meets you in the Anvilarium, which is a cool title, actually. Uh, and he then tries to convince you to turn against the Emperor and, you know, all of this. You were outraged by this because what the fuck is he talking about turning against mm. dear old dad? Like, yeah. we, we're soldiers and he's the general. We do what he says, dickhead. Like, how do you <laughs> not get this? We've been doing this for hundreds of years. Like, get with the program, asshole. Uh, so you're outraged by this. And the argument keeps going on, and eventually it comes to blows, and you just start laying into each other. Now, uh, if you look here, you can actually see you and Fulgrim battling. God damn. Yeah. Uh, so, during the fight, you were like, you know what, you don't deserve to carry that sword anymore. So you grabbed it, and tried to destroy it with your, you know, metal hands. And mm -hmm. in the process, it caused a minor explosion and knocked you out. Right. Because you were already injured from the fight. You had been kicking the living crap out of each other. So this was like a, a last thing you were going to be like, you know what, fuck you, Fulgrim. You don't get a sword anymore. And tried to just destroy <laughs> it. Uh, and while yeah. you were unconscious, uh, he took the hammer that he had made for you. He took it back. Uh, since his sword was destroyed, he was going to kill you because the demon in his sword was like, kill him, do it. And he was like, no. Do it. Exactly, yeah. Uh, he's got this like weird slaneshi worshipper-possessed sword on his belt. Um, and yeah, that's telling him to kill you. And he's like, no, nah, and just takes a hammer and leaves. Uh, but all his, all his honor guard were standing outside your private sanctum with your honor guard. And he just has them kill all your honor guard before they leave. <laughs> and then all he, like, right. has to go on the run because your guys all turn on him because they find your body. <laughs> yeah, fun times. So we then move forward a little bit because that. So when you awoke, you knew you would have to fight Fulgrim again. This wasn't the end of it, obviously. And no, if you no, didn't no. win, you were going to lose him to chaos forever, right? Obviously, you were going to lose him regardless, but losing him to death is better than losing him to chaos and just having an evil yes. brother running around. Uh, yes. So you reforged Fireblade, determined to use it to stop Fulgrim. Now, we move forward to Istvan 5, or as you may remember it, the drop site massacre. No, I remember Estevan 5, but yep, I yep. do remember. Yep. Good. 
So this, you know, is where the Droplet Massacre occurred when the Iron Hand, Salamanders, Vulcan, Raven Guard, Corvus Corax all assembled to fight the Traitor Legions en masse, right? So the four Traitor Legions were all, you know, huddled together, waiting or waiting for you, the good guys to turn up. And then yeah. your three Legions turned up and started kicking ass, right? Yep. So the way it worked was you with a bunch of like honor guards. So you had the Murlocs, which are your special guys in a in Terminator armor, and your dreadnoughts rocked up because you didn't bring you couldn't bring your whole legion because they were pretty fucked up at this point. Um, yeah. And Vulcan and all the sal- salamanders and Corvus Corax and the Raven Guard all rocked up. Vulcan took the enemy's left flank. Corvus Corax took the right flank. You went straight down the middle with your honor guard. Now, it was a fairly even fight, but the traitors had had time to build up defenses here because they'd been here for a while. So, fight goes on. You guys start winning. The, the loyalists are winning this fight, but they're taking casualties. Their guys are getting tired. They're getting injured. And you get reports that the other four Loyalist Legions and other four Legions have turned up in orbit or are arriving in orbit shortly and they are going to reinforce you. You're like, thank fuck for that. So, you, the Salamanders and Vulcan and Corvus Corax and Ravengar start to do a fighting retreat back to the drop site. The idea being when the Loyalists' reinforcements turn up, they'll take the fight to the bad guys while your guys recuperate and, you know, rally to then rejoin mm. the fight. Now, as you're retreating, you see Fulgrim standing on the battlements on their defences, and your rage overtakes you. You cannot let this man live. So you charge back into the enemy defences, now with Vulcan and Corvus Corax behind you, rather than covering one side of you. So you and your honor guard just pile back through all the defences you have just destroyed, straight to Fulgrim, and the rage you feel is unbelievable. Just the fact that he would have turned like this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So you obviously end up fighting him again. <laughs> you get to him, start you know laying into each other again as you would expect, uh, and you are like taking gouges out of each other. You are wounding each other with every swing, kind of thing. Him wielding the hammer, you wielding Fireblade. Yeah. And eventually you wear him down and he falls to his knees and drops the hammer. And you stand over him. You raise Fireblade to, to you know, end him once and for all. Yeah. And as you bring it down, you're blocked. Fulgrim rapidly drew the lair sword from his belt and blocked with it. But he's exhausted. So you're forcing him down. But he starts to fight back. He starts to be possessed of some absurd strength. God knows where it came from all of a sudden. But suddenly he's not exhausted anymore. Suddenly he's stronger than he ever was. He throws you back. He slashes your chest heavily. And you cry out in agony and fall to your knees, dropping Fireblade at your side. And as you stand or sit there on your knees, Fulgrim lifts the blade to, you know, have his decapitating swing. 
And mm-hmm. as you watch, he seems to hesitate. Like he's trying to like prevent himself from doing something. So you take advantage of the hesitation. You begin to reach for Fireblade again. And as your fingers wrap around the hilt and the blade ignites again, you feel the last thing you'll ever feel, which is the bite of the lair sword as it slices through your neck, decapitating you. And that is how Ferris Manus died at the hands of his brother. The first Primarch ever to be killed, and it was by his brother. And Fulgrim, from that moment on, was officially bonded to chaos. A covenant sealed in the blood of his brother. Yo. That's deep. Holy. Yeah. I don't know, I, I'm sorry for the listeners right now uh, for me not like interrupting us in anything for the past like five to seven minutes. I was literally just watching, like listening, having like the like fighting a movie scene playing up in my head as Ryan narrated that. That was but that was beautiful, Ryan. Round of applause. That was that was beautiful. The emotions, man. That was oh god. <laughs> I had to hype up for you a bit. I had to get a bit dramatic, you know. That was good. I'm glad you appreciated that. So oh, that's dark as well. So yeah, <laughs> it's rough, isn't it? It's Warhammer, man. It's it is what it is. Yeah. So there is one last bit that I want to mention. Right? Yeah, that is not the last of Ferris Mass. No, as you might expect. Right now, there are, I would say, two more parts to this that are going to turn up in this season. Right. One of them is a different character storyline that I'm going to mention it in, right? Mm-hmm. In the really long episode we're going to have at some point in the season. But for the time being, there is one I'm going to tell you about, right? As you know, during the Siege of Terra, the Emperor was fatally wounded by the arch traitor Horus before he was yes. killed. Yes. Now, as you do not know, I want Ah. An odd thing occurred at the same time that the Emperor was fatally wounded. Because mm-hmm. when the Emperor was fatally wounded, weird things happened in the warp, right? There had been a lot of disruption in the warp at that point because Sanguinius had suddenly been thrown in. Primarchs are, are a big impact in the warp, you know? So Sanguinius has been yeeted in there. Horus was there for about 10 seconds and then got deleted. And now the Emperor's there, Right. A lot of stuff's happening in the warp all of a sudden, right? Yeah. Now, that allowed one very strange thing to occur. At the moment that the Emperor was mortally wounded, over on Medusa, an apparition appeared before the Iron Hands. Their Primarch, Ferris Manus, appeared before them and warned them of a calamity that would come for all mankind. And when it did, he would be there with his sons, leading them once more. And with that, the apparition disappeared. Now, Ferris Manus is gone from the material world, but his spirit lives on in the warp, and we know that for a fact because of that apparition. Mm-hmm. That is a fact. So it stands to reason Sanguinius is also roaming about in the warp. And at some point... If Ferris Manus comes back, that probably means that whatever brings him back is probably going to bring Sanguinius back too. I hope so. The spirit of a Primarch is not so easily quelled, 
it seems. No, just from the material world. Ah, yeah, ah, and I mean, doing that's hard enough. Yeah, but, yeah. But that is the story of Ferris Mass. Yeah, a good one. But I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Now, there is, as always, one last thing we need to do. Yes, the we tier need to list. Rank. Yes, 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 yes. All right, All you right. got Ferris Manus down here at the bottom, like second last in C. Oof, that's a that's a low one. Oof. Second last in C. Now, do you want to move it? I think yes, but. Okay. I don't know if he's even gonna go up and B. <gasps> That's the question. But I know that you like him, Ryan. Yeah. So I will put him up in B, but put him up last in B. Okay, I, so I'll, accept I'll accept that. I'll accept that. He ha he doesn't get very much done, unfortunately. You know, he doesn't get the yeah. chance to do much. Like, the characters are obviously a lot more fleshed out than I am able to put across to you. But... There's only so much talking about the character we can do. We've only got so much time, you know? <laughs> if you want yeah, to give me an yeah. eight-hour session, I'll make him your best friend, but... <laughs> oh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> None of us got time for that. As much as I would enjoy it. <laughs> so, I'm mean, just saying, I had, a, I had an eight-hour stream uh, a couple of days ago. So. Oh, cool. I'm just saying. Look at you and your streaming. Like eight hours and a couple of minutes. I'm just saying. Eight hours and a couple of minutes. Yeah. Oof. I'm just saying. ITO, uh, Dark Tide stream. I don't know. I... No, 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 no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't, people, people would not want that. That's not what the people want. No, Rogue yeah, Trader when that comes out. I'll be on that eight hours at least. Uh, all right. I I'm taking time off work to play that game. I swear to God. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Ah. Uh... You gotta right. have to stream, man. I'm gonna have to. All right. Yeah. You wanna round us out? Sure thing. So, yes, this has been me, Miss, and Ryan from the Iterators of the Period podcast. We thank you guys for listening and perhaps even watching. <laughs> but yes, this has been us. We will see you in the next one. Take care and uh, peace. Bye. Bye.